0: You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed.
1: When it comes to picking the perfect treats for your dog, Stewart makes the
2: choice easy by
1: keeping it real. Real ingredients, real nutrients, real benefits. Stewart dog treats are free from additives, corn, soy, wheat, and grains. Plus, they're freeze-dried to lock in all the great nutrition and natural flavor your furry friend deserves. Stewart freeze-dried dog treats. Big, tail-wagging nutritional benefits. Available on Amazon.com today.
3: I'm Margaret Brennan in Washington. This week on Face the Nation, as President Trump's impeachment in the Democratic-led House appears inevitable, he looks to the Republican-held Senate as his chance to get a, quote, fair shake. Meanwhile, tensions rise between the U.S. and its adversaries, and relations turn chilly with some of our allies. Midweek, Speaker Pelosi officially announced the worst-kept secret in Washington. Facts and the Constitution give us no choice but to impeach. Move for the impeachment of the president. President Trump has given up on mounting an impeachment defense in the House, but is preparing for a fight in the Senate.
1: David, Mr.
4: President... I have good news. What's the good news? Tell me. I need some good news. I got people trying to impeach me.
3: But most members of Congress, including Speaker Nancy Pelosi, don't see the impeachment battle as a laughing matter. And as a Catholic, I resent your using the word hate in a sentence that addresses me. I don't hate anyone. I was raised in a way that is full, a heart full of love and always pray for the president. And I
5: still pray for the president. I pray for the president all the time. So don't mess with me when it comes to words like that.
3: We'll talk with the chairman of the Intelligence Committee, Adam Schiff, and we'll hear from a key defender of Mr. Trump, Congressman Mark Meadows. Then, the president's visit to London for a meeting of NATO allies results in some awkward photo ops and embarrassing hot mic moments, prompting the president to call one ally two faced. Plus, a new threat from North Korean leader Kim Jong un leads to the resurrection of an old nickname.
4: We'll see what happens. They're like sending rockets up, doesn't he? That's why I call him Rocket Man.
3: White House National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien will weigh in on the renewed hostility. All that and more is just ahead on Face the Nation. Good morning, and welcome to Face the Nation. Tomorrow, the House Judiciary Committee will hold another hearing as they write articles of impeachment against President Trump. Democrats are hoping to move quickly with full House debate on the articles and a vote by the Christmas holiday. We begin this morning with the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, Adam Schiff. He joins us from Burbank. Good morning to you, chairman. Good morning. Before we get to impeachment, I want to ask you about this developing story out of Pensacola, Florida, where a member of the Saudi military gunned down three Americans, uh, wounded eight. Is there an indication of motive was this terrorism?
5: We've gotten an initial briefing on it, and it really is too early to say. Um, We grieve, obviously, for the families of those uh, who were lost Uh, And we're going to press Saudi Arabia uh, to do a full investigation on their end, even as we do one on ours. And I wish the President of the United States, rather than uh, trying to speak for the Saudi government, were pressing the Saudi government for answers. Uh, But we're going to make sure that we not only get to the full uh, truth here, but also that we review whatever protocols we have in place for the selection of people that participate in these military training programs, uh, both here and abroad, uh, so that this kind of... uh, Insider attack never occurs again.
3: And we'll be uh, talking about that more with the National Security Advisor head on the program, but I want to switch to impeachment with you. Um, there are already drafts of impeachment articles. Uh, the Chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Jerry Nadler, has uh, indicated that you could see abuse of power obstruction uh, among them. What are you looking for? What should we expect these articles to be defined as?
5: Well, we have weighed in uh, all the chairs with uh, Chairman Nadler and his staff as to what we think would be appropriate in a set of articles. Uh, I can't go into those particular discussions, but I can tell you, uh, as a former prosecutor, uh, it's always been, you know, my uh, strategy uh, in a charging decision, and an impeachment in the House is essentially a charging decision, uh, to charge those that there is the strongest and most overwhelming evidence and not try to charge everything, even though you could charge other things. Uh, So that's my guiding philosophy. Uh, There is overwhelming evidence that the president uh, sought to coerce Ukraine into interfering in our election, essentially sought to cheat in our next election by getting a foreign government to weigh in. Uh, That is a very serious business and it imperils our national security. Uh, It's a gross abuse of his office. Um, And the president also deeply sought to obstruct the investigation into that wrongdoing. And I think that uh, is the gravamen of the offense here.
3: Well, well, your committee will be presenting evidence tomorrow uh, before the House Judiciary Committee. Will you include evidence from the Mueller report?
5: Well, our committee will present what we investigated in the intelligence... uh, ...set of allegations... uh, uh, ...but also the obstruction of Congress. Uh, It won't be our committee, the Intelligence Committee presentation that would go to other issues like the Mueller report... Uh, that'll be a decision uh, that Chairman Nadler will have to make.
3: do you think that this should be broadened out beyond the issue of Ukraine?
5: Well, again, I'm not going to get to my uh, internal discussions with my colleagues, uh, but I will say that I think we should focus on uh, those issues that provide the greatest threat to the country. Uh, and the president is engaged in a course of conduct that threatens the integrity of the next election, threatens our national security by withholding military assistance to an ally at war, to our detriment, uh, and uh, conditioning other things like a desperately sought-after White House election. Uh, And that is an ongoing threat to the country, one that simply can't wait.
3: Well, I I know Republicans make the point that the aid was ultimately released. But I want to ask you, in your personal opinion, you have seen all of this evidence. Are you actually Not going to vote to impeach the president? Is there any chance that you wouldn't vote to impeach the president?
5: Well, first of all, Margaret, uh, they released the aid because they got caught, because a whistleblower blew the whistle, because Congress announced an investigation, and only thereafter and almost immediately thereafter uh, were they forced to release the aid. So that's not much of a defense getting Mm -hmm. caught. Uh, But in terms of my own recommendations, Look, I'm going to see what articles uh, come out of the Judiciary Committee deliberations. I'll make my views known at that time. Uh, But I will say this. um, This is precisely the kind of conduct the founders were most concerned about when they provided the remedy of impeachment. That is that a president of the United States would abuse his power uh, to seek foreign intervention in our affairs and do so in a way that threatens the ordinary mechanism of removing a president, and that is an election. Uh, And you have all of those ingredients here Uh, And what's more, you have a president who is continuing in the malicious conduct, out on the White House lawn, still saying he wants Ukraine to help him in the next election with these uh, sham investigations, inviting other countries like China to do the same thing. Rudy Giuliani, even this week, is in Ukraine, furthering this plot. Uh, And so this is an ongoing, clear and present danger to the integrity of our elections and our own national security.
3: Well, the president said yesterday that Rudy Giuliani is preparing a report that he's going to give to the Attorney General and to Congress. What is the plan for this? Is Rudy Giuliani going to come in and testify under oath?
5: Well, we have subpoenaed Rudy Giuliani for his records, and he's refused to comply and refused to cooperate, like so many other witnesses that have refused.
3: But do you know like what the Pompeo. president's talking about here?
5: Uh, look, I have a little idea what the president's talking about, except that the president uh, is only too happy to have his personal attorney continue to seek foreign interference in the next election. Uh, This is not something that started or ended with Ukraine. It began when the president invited Russia to intervene in the last election. Uh, It continued with the president uh, trying to coerce Ukraine to do it now, and it is... We feel we have to move forward, and we simply can't wait for an election in which the president is seeking already to prejudice by foreign intervention.
3: You know, in the 300-page report that your committee put out, it included some call logs, including uh, numbers related to Congressman uh, Nunes and a journalist. And there has been a lot of blowback on you having published this. Uh, Upon reflection, should you have made that public?
5: Absolutely. And the blowback has only come from uh, the the far right. Uh, But look, Every investigator seeks phone records to corroborate, sometimes to contradict a witness's testimony. And here we had testimony that the president charged Rudy Giuliani with carrying out this plot, that he told uh, Ambassador Volker Volker and Perry and uh, Sondland to talk to Rudy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, in fact, Ambassador Volker testified about talking to Rudy. And so, naturally, we wanted phone records to show they had those conversations, and, indeed, they did. But it's very important to point out, Margaret, we did not subpoena Devin Nunes' call records. We did not subpoena any journalist call records. Uh, And that is simply false information being pushed by the president's uh, allies. But the fact that Mr. Mm -hmm. Nunes or Giuliani or others show up uh, in this scheme doesn't make them irrelevant, doesn't give them a pass.
3: All right. Congressman, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, And I do want to explain to our viewers, we're having a couple technical issues you might have noticed there. Um, That's going to happen with a new set. But our CBS News coverage of the House impeachment hearings will continue on this network tomorrow as well. We'll be back in a moment. Tomorrow, you should tune in to see Nora O'Donnell uh, cover the hearings you just heard chairmanship describe. Stay with us. We'll bring in Congressman Mark Meadows. It's three o'clock somewhere. Time for a My Mochi ice cream snack. My Mochi ice cream is cool, creamy scoops of premium ice cream wrapped in sweet, pillowy dough. And get this. All of My Mochi's fabulous flavors, like strawberry, mango, double chocolate, and cookies and cream, are
6: only around 80 calories per piece.
3: We're back with the former chairman of the Conservative House Freedom Caucus, North Carolina Republican Congressman Mark Meadows. Good morning. Good, Good to morning. have you here. Great to
4: be here. Great set.
3: Thank I tell you, you. This is exciting. <laughs> You're christening it for us. Um, you just heard Chairman Schiff sure. lay out his case. Uh, from your perspective, is it inevitable that the House is going to impeach President Trump?
4: Well, I don't think it's inevitable if you follow the facts. I, I heard Chairman Schiff lay out his talking points, and that's very different than the facts. And I think what we, we need to understand is, is right now, and the president just highlighted this in a tweet, within 48 hours of the hearing that's happening in Judiciary Tomorrow, uh, we have the judiciary team, changing the guidelines and the rules for what impeachment is all about. After the Nixon impeachment effort, uh, the Congressional Research Service mm-hmm. put out guidelines and said, this is what impeachment should be based on. It's been updated. Now, all of a yeah. sudden, there's new found evidence by Jerry Nadler and his team. It's because the facts are not supporting their argument.
3: But... Yeah. When I'm asking you if yeah. you think it's inevitable, that, that's also a political calculation. Do you think there will be a single Republican defection to I, I don't alongside not yeah. impeach? Uh,
4: I don't want to speak for all my colleagues, but based on my conversations with them, I don't see a single Republican defecting. Uh, they've looked at the facts. They know where we are on this. I think, if anything, there's more pressure on my Democrat colleagues, uh, where instead of having just two defections, we may have more than that coming up uh, as the articles get voted on. But inevitably, they're going to- Do you
3: going- know that or you're- just uh, guessing that you're going to see more than two. Uh,
4: well, I said there's more pressure on them. Okay. And and I have talked to a number of my moderate uh, uh, Democrat colleagues. And, and I know there are a few that are out there that are real concerned. I, again, I don't speak for Republicans or Democrats mm-hmm. broadly, but I do have conversations, bipartisan conversations on a regular basis.
3: One of the wild cards here is Rudy Giuliani, the president's attorney. He was in Ukraine this week. Right. And you just heard Chairman Schiff say he's not sure exactly what the president meant yesterday when he said that a report is going to be produced to Congress and the attorney general by Rudy Giuliani.
4: Well, I think if Adam Schiff wants to look at the evidence, wouldn't he, whether it comes from Rudy Giuliani or anybody else, wouldn't he be happy so, to see any evidence of, of foreign intervention in terms of the 2016 elections?
3: So, I'm sorry, are, are you saying you would trust any information Rudy Giuliani produces as credible?
4: I, I would trust any information that comes to Congress to be able to be evaluated in a neutral manner. So whether it comes from Rudy Giuliani or or some Democrat Witness that's there. If they're bringing information, yeah. Congress has an obligation to look at it. We have the oversight responsibility. And so, 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 so said- to, uh, uh, let me let me just finish real quickly. So, if if he's getting relevant information that comes uh, comes forth from Ukraine, uh, I, I think it's important for us to look at. It. So many times, people have said, "Listen, uh, Ukrainians never got involved in the 2016 election." Well, that's just not accurate. The because issue around t- impeachment
3: is about. The upcoming election and Joe Biden. One of your uh, colleagues, Matt Gates of Florida, who's a fellow Republican, said, It's weird. For him to see Rudy Giuliani out there doing well, I, this. Well, I'm not
4: I, suggesting that. Do you he, think
3: Giuliani needs to come in under oath?
4: Well, I, I think that Rudy Giuliani, if he's got evidence that's important to illuminate this, should come in, should testify. I agree with that. Uh, the the other aspect of this that is critically important that so many people are starting to look at. They're they're trying to focus on Rudy Giuliani. This impeachment is about withholding foreign aid and. And Rudy didn't have anything to do with that. Well, he, actually, none of the promises, none of the the so so-called interference in elections, actually ever happened. Adam Schiff just was on here just Rudy a few Giuliani minutes.
3: Rudy Giuliani has has said on this program and elsewhere that Joe Biden needs to be investigated. He he, he has propagated this idea that's at the center of it all, um, a, a, as you know. Right. But. Um, <laughs> One of the things the White House did this week was put out a letter saying it's not essentially going to participate uh, in these upcoming hearings. Right. But then the president at the same time, and and Republicans like yourself, saying he's not getting a fair shake. So how do you have it both ways of, of not participating but then complaining about not being included.
4: Well, listen, if you can change the rules, uh, Mark, I'll play any game with you no matter how talented you are. If I get to control the rules, I'll win every time. And that's what, that's the what dim- happens when you
3: win the majority. But,
4: but No, that's not. Because what we, we have standards here. And what happens is, is I've been in over a hundred hours of depositions. I've seen my Democrat colleagues time and time again, leak out what's favorable to them and not favorable to the president. They've done it over and over and over again. That's not fair. And should, should the president participate in an unfair process? Absolutely not. He'll get a fair process if it gets to the Senate. Uh,
3: And you're saying it's not inevitable. That that will happen. Well, I think
4: it's probable, but not inevitable.
3: Okay. Uh, I also want to ask you, I know you care about uh, government funding. Yeah. Being fiscally responsible. uh, We are about two weeks out from a deadline here uh, on running out of government funding. Do you see the chances, where do you see the chances of a government shutdown? Can they be avoided?
4: I think it will be avoided I think I know the president wants to avoid it I believe based on what Nancy Pelosi says she wants to, to avoid it here's what they're going to have to do there they're Even have to border do, wall funding uh, uh, well Nancy Pelosi made an agreement not to go back when we increased the debt ceiling and uh, the, the previous budget deal she agreed to leave the funding there that is static and so what I would say a continuing resolution for those viewers that are out there continuing the funding as it is for three or four months while we get the this impeachment uh, effort uh, off the agenda is certainly appropriate. I think the president would sign that, and I believe my Democrat colleagues would as well.
3: Congressman, good to have you Thank here. Thank you. Great Thank to you. be here. Coming up next, we're going to switch gears, talk about new threats to America with White House National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien. He's standing by. Don't go away.
7: This podcast
3: is supported by FedEx. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, Positively FedEx. And we're back with White House National Security Advisor, Robert O'Brien. Good morning to you, Mr. Ambassador.
7: Good morning, Margaret.
3: Uh, We saw overnight North Korea conduct what it called a very important test. Uh, In your view, are they preparing to restart nuclear tests?
7: I hope not. That would be a mistake on the part of North Korea. Uh, when we came into office, the, the president was faced with a very difficult situation in North Korea. President Obama told him it was the most dangerous uh, uh, problem he would face in the world. Uh, through a combination of, uh, of tough sanctions and, and a military show of forces, uh, we were able to convince Kim Jong-un to, to come to a, a summit. At that summit, Kim Jong-un promised to denuclearize North Korea. And uh, we expect him to live up to the promise he made at the summit in Singapore, and uh, and we hope he'll do so.
3: Well, his ambassador to the U.N. said yesterday denuclearization's already gone out of the negotiating table. The president seemed to nod to that in a tweet this morning. Uh, with this test and that statement, it seems an explicit uh, recognition here that on their end, diplomacy is dead. Uh, what's the U.S. going to do if they restart tests?
7: Well, I'd be pretty nervous if I was that ambassador because Kim Jong-un has said publicly that he will denuclearize the North Korean, the Korean Peninsula, uh, for a North Korean ambassador to take a contrary position to, the, to his leader, uh, I think in that uh, circumstance is a, is a pretty dangerous thing for him to do. Uh, Look, North we'll, Korean we'll,
3: diplomats don't usually freelance. You know that. Uh,
7: no, I know. Well, they, 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 it doesn't end well for them if they do. So I, I'm a little surprised by that comment by the, uh, the U.N. ambassador. We'll have to see what happens. We're, we're continuing with our negotiations. Steve Began is going down to the region Uh, soon. And and we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. But we have plenty of tools in the toolkit. Uh, If if North Korea takes a different path than the one it's promised its people, the people of South Korea, the United States and the world, Kim Jong-un said that he is going to denuclearize the Korean Peninsula. If he does not do that, uh, then we'll take that into account. And and we've got plenty of tools in the toolkit.
3: Well, you've got time running out, though, with this end of year deadline, Kim Jong-un has set. Uh, Do you expect to have the U.S. and North Korea meet? Do you expect President Trump to speak to Kim Jong-un?
7: Well, we'll we'll see. We'd like to have continued negotiations. We were in Stockholm not too long ago for negotiations with the North Korean team, and we'd like to continue those negotiations. And and look, we'd like to see this end up in a peaceful resolution and uh, uh, a resolution that that is good for the people of North Korea. They could be a great country. They could have... uh, a tremendous economic uh, powerhouse in North Korea instead of, of starving and, and being poor. So they've got to make a choice, and, and we hope they make the right choice.
3: Uh, I want to ask you about something here at home. We saw a Saudi military officer shoot dead three Americans, wound eight at a Pensacola base. Was the shooter acting alone? Is this a terrorist attack?
7: So we don't know yet if he was acting alone. The FBI is investigating. They're, they've been uh, interviewing and interrogating uh, other Saudi students, uh Look, to me, it appears to be a terrorist attack. The FBI will have to get into the, neg- I, I don't want to prejudge the investigation, but it appears that this may be someone that was radicalized, uh, whether it was here or, uh, you know, it's, it's unclear if he's got any ties to any other organizations, but what it not What do you mean appears good.
3: to be, ba- based on what? Obviously, you're seeing intelligence that, that we don't know about. You well, have I, I, credible I, intelligence that I, indicates that this might be part of a broader plot.
7: I, I don't see anything that, there, that there's a broader pot. I'm watching the same things that you're watching and, uh, and, and the public reports. And uh, th- this is a guy who, who may very well have, uh, have said some things on Twitter that suggest he was radicalized. Uh, he went out and, and killed a number of, uh, of Americans. Uh, so I, my point is it looks like terrorism. We'll have to see what the FBI investigation shows, what his motivations were. The Saudis have promised full cooperation uh, with the investigation. We're going to take them at their word. And, and the FBI is, is very competent in doing these things. They'll get to the bottom of it, and we'll have a full report. But I'm, my point is it looks, from what we're seeing in, in the public reports, that uh, this looks like something that's terrorism or akin to terrorism.
3: Yesterday, there was a prisoner exchange with Iran. It's significant. First time Trump administration's gotten an American back from Iran. Uh, Xi Yu Wang was the Princeton scholar released, and the U.S. Uh, also released, an Iranian scientist. That's great for his family. They have great joy, but there are at mm-hmm. least four other Americans, and I know you know this well, who are still imprisoned in Iran. Why not make this part of a package deal?
7: Well, what, what you find out in the hostage business, Margaret, and, and I did this for, uh, for several years, and we were able to—President to, Trump's brought back more uh, wrongfully detained Americans or hostages than, than any president in my lifetime, and he's done it without paying concessions, without the pallets of cash— uh... because we want to deter folks from taking hostages again in the future but what you do is you take the hostages and you take the detainees as as you can get them we would love to have all the iranian detainees back i, I pressed very hard on the iranians for uh, a year and a half to enter into a consular dialogue to meet with us to talk about how we could get all of them home and, and we're continuing to do that and we want to see every one of those americans home i know each of the family members these are great people they're great Americans, and they love their family members. We, we had a great day yesterday for, for the Wong family. Uh, yeah. his, uh, Xi Xiao has a, has a young wife. He's got a young son who he hasn't seen for three years because the, the Iranians wrongfully detained him, accused him of being a spy. He wasn't. He was a young scholar coming to study their language and study their history, and they threw him in jail instead. Uh, we got a great deal out of, uh, out of this. Uh, they wanted a, an Iranian back who, uh, you, you can go to the DOJ for details on this, but... Uh, uh, he was going to court next week, and, and we felt there was an opportunity uh, here to, to get, get someone to, home, and we did, and we took said, advantage of that opportunity.
3: You said great deal. Does this provide an opening for direct talks with Iran?
7: Look, I hope so. The president has offered to talk with the Ayatollah. But no promise and, of and, that.
3: That was not a condition th- for this. No, this was, is not a precondition to no. talks.
7: No. Look, we, we've had a maximum pressure campaign on Iran. I, I think that maximum pressure campaign had an impact and, 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 and was in part responsible for this release. Uh, the president has, has offered to talk to the Iranians without preconditions about a whole range of okay. issues. We'd like to sit down and talk to them, but, but the sanctions and the maximum pressure are not going to be let up until Ar- Iran abandons its nuclear program and abandons its malign at- activities in the region. Uh, in the meantime, we'd love to sit down with them and talk about the other detainees. We want to get every single American home, yeah. and there's, there's no one more committed to bringing Americans home than President Trump, and I, I think okay. his record shows that.
3: All right. Ambassador O'Brien, thank you very much for joining us. We'll be back with much more on Face the Nation. It's harder to focus than ever these days. Thankfully, C4 has reinvented the energy drink game with C4 Smart Energy, the only energy drink clinically proven to provide enhanced mental focus, containing 200 milligram of natural caffeine, a blend of vitamins and zero sugar. It was formulated to support your well-being, and help you feel your best, all while enhancing mental focus. From your brain to your body, C4 Smart Energy does it all and tastes amazing. Look for Smart Energy in the beverage aisle at your local Kroger, Albertsons, and Safeway grocery stores. C4 Smart Energy. Stay focused. Welcome back. To face the nation, Neil Kochel was acting Solicitor General under President Obama, and he lays out the argument for removing President Trump from office in his new book, Impeach, the Case Against Donald Trump. And Neil is here with us in studio now. Good to have you here. Thank you for having me. So, obviously, title says it all in terms of where you are on this issue. Um, from what you heard the, from Adam Schiff, the chairman of House Intelligence, and the argument he is laying out, would you advise him to stay narrowly focused on Ukraine or to include? other things in these articles?
2: So the book argues that it should be a narrow focus. Some of the other evidence can come in about Mueller as kind of supporting evidence. That's how the Nixon precedent had it. The articles of impeachment there focused on Watergate, but then it brought in some other things. And here, the most important thing is not just Ukraine, but the president's reaction to Ukraine. I mean, he's engaged in unprecedented obstruction. No president in our history has ever done this, saying, unilaterally, I I I declare the entire investigation illegitimate. No witnesses, no documents, no president did that. Nixon contemplated it, but even he backed down. And if this president can do it, and this is the central argument of my book, every president can do it, whether it was Obama before and the president Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders or whatever. And impeachment is so central to our checks and balances. What he is doing is a fundamental threat to our constitution.
3: What do impeachment articles look like? What, what's a prudent selection?
2: Yeah. So the, in the book, I lay out three articles. One is abuse of power that he, the president, was trying to cheat in the 2020 election with the help of a foreign government using his commander-in-chief powers. So it's different than 2016 when he was just a candidate saying, Russia, are you listening? And Republicans stuff like that.
3: would say 2020 was never mentioned. Elections were never mentioned in that so-called transcript. No,
2: but what law. was mentioned was his chief political rival, Joe Biden. And, you know, the idea that a president could go and withhold foreign aid in order to get an investigation announced, not even completed, mm-hmm. uh, but announced by his adversary is something so pernicious, so dangerous. Our founders, Madison Hamilton, would have cried at such a thought because it's such an abuse of the president's power. So that's Article 1. Article 2 would be bribery, the quid pro quo engagement, uh, but you know, the withholding of aid and the withholding of a White House meeting. And then Article 3 would be obstruction of justice, as we were talking about.
3: You would keep it on those I would. Uh, you tweeted recently that you thought if, if, if you go from impeachment in the House to a trial in the Senate and, and the Senate doesn't essentially convict, um, that you should retry with a new Senate mm-hmm. after the elections. I mean... Th- doesn't that sound more like a vendetta?
2: So, so certainly, I didn't advocate that you should do it. I was being descriptive, not normative. I said that there is no double jeopardy protection in our constitution, and I was trying to. You're use just that saying to theoretically,
3: explain. it is possible. Well, what to I'm, do I'm this. trying to
2: say here is that the Senate has an obligation to conduct a real trial. And I suspect that they will conduct a real trial. What
3: does a real trial look like?
2: With witnesses and subpoena power. And so the president has stonewalled all of these witnesses, John Bolton, Mike Pompeo, uh, acting chief of staff Mulvaney. All of those folks should testify in the Senate. They should be called. And indeed, Donald Trump should testify in the Senate. And so what's happened right now is the president has said, I don't have to bother complying with any of this. But in the Senate, in that real trial, there will be subpoena procedures available, and the Democrats can call Trump, and I think that they should.
3: You call yourself an extreme centrist, Mm -hmm. but given your prior work, people will say you're a Democrat. Mm -hmm. Um, The argument around this particular impeachment is that we are in this incredibly heated partisan moment at a degree the country hasn't at least recently lived through, Mm -hmm. that there's no way to have a credible impeachment trial. I mean, that that argument is made all the time, Mm -hmm. um, that this was always going to be partisan, and certainly the votes are, are headed in that way do you agree with that I mean not at all so two
2: things first of all you know I think my obligation as a constitutional law professor is to read each case on its own so I for example supported Neil Gorsuch Trump's nominee to the Supreme Court and testified for him so you know I don't think you just view this through a partisan lens and number two I think we have to try I think this idea that Americans are too weak this this bigotry of low expectations that we can't even see facts anymore is so wrong that's why I wrote the book because I think if you Give me 30 minutes with anyone, I can convince them of how bad what Trump did is for our separation of powers and why he has to be removed. Why don't you
3: think the public, or at least in the polling that we have seen, has the level of conviction that you do?
2: Because I haven't focused on the facts yet. And the Senate trial is the place, it'll be a formal, solemn proceeding. And as a litigator, I've seen how trials change opinions.
3: But what does a trial look like? I mean, people think of law and order. They think of courtroom dramas. They don't necessarily have a lot of precedent here. I mean, right. this is only really kind of the third, maybe fourth time our country's done this.
2: Yeah. Well, we've had 18 impeachments and some Senate, tri- you know, some Senate trials, it's not over presidents. And so I think it looks like a real trial. It looks like witnesses coming forward and arguments being made in the you eyes really of the nation. Do you believe the
3: Republican controlled Senate is going to subpoena John Bolton or subpoena Secretary the of State. The Democrats
2: will have subpoena power and it will go to the chief justice. And I've had the privilege of arguing now 39 cases before the chief justice. I'll argue my 40th on Wednesday. And uh, I think he's a consummately fair person. And I think he will want this evidence out to the American public.
3: Interesting. And are you advising on this? No. No,
2: No. just, just through my writing,
3: through your writing. All right. Neil Cashel. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck with the book. We'll be right back with our political panel.
0: Okay. It's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with bite and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks.
3: It's time now for some political analysis. Adam Entis writes for The New Yorker and is a brand new CBS News contributor. Welcome. Thank you. Julie Pace is the Washington Bureau Chief at the Associated Press. CBS News political correspondent Ed O'Keefe is also with us, along with Josh Holmes, a Republican consultant and former chief of staff to Senate leader Mitch McConnell. Josh, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you.
1: Good to be here.
3: I want to ask you, you just heard Neil Katyal decide or describe what a Senate trial could look like if the House goes ahead with impeaching the president. Does your version of what it looks like match his?
8: No. Well, there are a couple of details that are probably worth going over. Um, the first is it's going to take 51 votes in terms of calling witnesses. I think Neil suggested that basically the president of the United States could be called or subpoenaed to testify with, with a, a Democratic wish list, apparently. Unfortunately, that's going to take, that would take 51 votes uh, from Republicans to, to try to provide that, and that's obviously not going to happen.
3: So when he's saying subpoena power there, and you could see cabinet members come and answer questions.
8: You could see all kinds of different things. I think the most important thing to focus on there is that the, the president is going to have his first capacity for an official defense in the Senate. And what that is is basically a witness list of their choosing that they will come to the Senate with, discuss both the contours and the length Of how that trial is going to work and try to get Republican buy in and and hopefully bipartisan buy in to process all of this. But the idea that you can just sort of pull down whomever you want from a Democratic point of view to come testify before the Senate is not
5: true.
3: Well, one of the uh, witnesses that you hear the White House and you hear Republicans say they want to hear from is Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, the current candidate. Uh, I want to play a soundbite of Joe Biden on the campaign trail this week where he seemed to be. Punching back a bit.
0: But you, on the other hand,
4: sent your son over there to get a job and work for a gas company that he had no experience with gas or nothing in order to get access for the the president. So you're, you're selling access to the president just like he was. So you've You're got a to... damn
9: liar, man. That's not true. And no one has ever said that. I didn't ones... say
4: you were doing anything mm-hmm. wrong. You that... said I set up my son to work in an oil company. Isn't that what you said? I... Get your words straight, Jack.
3: Get your words straight, Jack. Uh, I don't, you don't often hear Joe Biden hit back like that. Is yes. this a, a tactic? Is this an honest moment?
10: I think it is an honest moment. I mean, I think this is the rawest issue for him. Anything that has to do with his son. Um, You know, the time when when his son joined that board, Burisma, the company in Ukraine, Uh, his other son, Bo, was, you know, a year away from dying. Uh, And it was just a very painful moment for the family. And, you know, the policy that Joe Biden had with his son was kind of a don't ask, don't tell. Hunter wouldn't talk to his dad about his business activities um, and his father wouldn't ask. Uh, And so to have his son dragged into this is very hard for him. Because it wouldn't be happening if his father wasn't running for president, and he knows also where his son is i mean he's a i mean his uh, i'm not even sure exactly how sober he is uh, mm-hmm. at times he's struggled for years with his addictions, and his dad knows that, uh, and during that period of time he was in a very bad place
3: and, and you you spent a lot of time with hunter mm-hmm. you've written about him um, and I know you've said. It's also painful because it was Bo, the son who passed, who was the one who reigned in Hunter from some of his worst instincts. And he's not there.
10: Right. So when, you know, whenever Hunter started drinking again, it was Bo that would take him to the airport so he could then fly to get treatment. Right. It was always Bo who was the one trying to save him. And when, uh, you know, during his last year of life, uh, Hunter was just a wreck, which is when this is all going on. And so um, you can, you know, we saw in the impeachment uh, hearing, uh, one, one uh, uh, State Department official testified that he had concerns and he had raised it uh, with, uh, with members of Biden's staff and was told that uh, Biden didn't have the bandwidth at that time to deal with it because he mm-hmm. was still dealing with, uh, you know, the death, of, the death of Beau. And so this has been consistent in Joe Biden's life. This, anything that has to do with his family, anything that particularly since Beau died, uh, that has to do with Hunter, is incredibly sensitive for him, which is the reason why, actually, it, 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 it it's an effective yeah. issue for Republicans to push on, but it's also, you know, something that maybe uh, people watch and they can realize, well, this is a guy who actually really does care
1: about his kids.
3: But the chances, Ed, of Joe or Hunter Biden coming and testifying. Well
1: and once Senate again Colorado. you need fifty one senators right. to agree to do that.
3: And a lot of them don't want to do that to exactly. a former colleague exactly. of theirs.
1: Um, and so and, and we've heard from enough Republicans or enough of them have inferred that that might be a bridge too far. Certainly other people involved, uh, they, they would probably be fair game, but the Bidens, uh, less so. And from a raw political standpoint, his aides this week thought this was a fantastic moment for him because it showed fire in the belly. It gave them, It gave voters a sense of how he would respond to this if he was asked about the situation by either an opponent or by President Trump. Clearly, others thought this looked a little weird because in that exchange at one point, it sounded like he called the man fat instead of Jack. You can listen to it yourself and decide. Uh, and there were some other missteps and, and misspoken words over the course of this uh, 19-stop bus tour that he made, but it was called no malarkey, and in that moment, he certainly didn't want to take any of it. And <laughs> his aides think that it could help prove to voters if you've got concerns about how he'll handle it. That's how he'll handle it.
3: How he would handle a debate stage moment against President Trump. Um, Julie, you saw Kamala Harris uh, step out of the race this week. Is she a candidate to now be the VP on the Biden ticket if he gets the nomination?
6: I think she certainly would have to be, not just for Joe Biden, but for any uh, Democratic nominee. Kamala Harris has a really uh, interesting background, certainly her profile as, as the highest profile black woman female politician in the country right now. I, I do think one dynamic, though, between Biden and Harris to watch for is that dynamic from that first debate. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden took that moment incredibly personally when Kamala Harris opened up her remarks by saying, I don't think you're a racist, but. And part of the reason, actually, to get back to what we were talking about, is that Kamala Harris and Beau Biden were very close when they were both attorneys generals for Delaware and, and California. Uh, you know, Politics is politics. If he is the nominee and he thinks that Kamala Harris can help him uh, win the presidency. You can put a lot of hard feelings aside, but that certainly was a moment that really stuck with him for quite some time.
3: And Josh, when uh, Senator Harris stepped back this week, her retort to the president was, I'll see you at your trial, sir. Um, <laughs> reminding everyone that she's a prosecutor and now she will be there for, for that trial. How much of the 2020 campaign time schedule is actually factoring into Republican
8: Planning. Yeah, well, you know, she'll have no more or less role than any other senator in the body, and I, I think that underscores another challenge that a lot of these Democratic 2020 candidates have here. There are not as many senators as there were at the beginning, but there still are a few: Elizabeth Warren, Cory Booker, and others. So, the way you look at it is that they're going to have a closing argument going into the Iowa caucuses is largely spent in Washington D.C. talking about the impeachment trial of President Trump. So, former campaign manager, I can't imagine trying to manage a closing message to voters that you can't control at all. Mm-hmm. And basically that's what they've, they've got going here. And if that Senate trial bleeds into the second, third, fourth week of January, they literally are walking into an Iowa caucus without even being in Iowa. Yeah.
3: And that might maybe <laughs> factor into some thinking Republican leadership. We could see not just the month of January, but... How long is this going to
8: last? Well, you never know. I mean, the contours, again, are going to have to be set with 51 votes. And I I think the one thing that Senate Republican leadership is absolutely committed on doing, and you saw Pat Cipollone and others come up to the Hill and talk to Republican senators about this, is that they want a full trial. They want the president and his team to be able to provide a full witness list that they have the first kind of access to the American people to push back on the charges that Adam Schiff and others have brought. So that could take a while. But again, I, I think a lot of that is going to be in, determined by what the specific articles say. And, and yeah. I, I didn't hear that from uh, Mr. Schiff this morning.
3: Well, we might know more by the end of this week. Um, we'll take a quick break here, but I want to come, more, come back with more on the White House strategy. And a lot, a lot happened this week, as always. <laughs> but we'll be right back with more from our panel. And we're back now with our political panel. Uh, I want to button up a few things on impeachment, Julie. Um, You heard President Trump, while he was overseas, politics no longer stopping at the water's edge, unload on Adam Schiff. I mean, he called him a deranged human being, a maniac, a very sick man. This is someone who's trying to impeach him and in the process of writing the articles against him. What is the White House strategy here?
6: I think the White House strategy is to very quickly get through this House process and move on to the Senate. They have basically accepted the fact that the president is going to be impeached. They want to move on to the Senate, but I do think that there is a little um, clarity that needs to be brought to some of the White House officials about what this process actually looks like. I mean, Josh was making this point. This is not a situation where the Republican senators are going to be out there on the Senate floor actively able to defend the president. This is going to be a process that's run by managers Mm -hmm. that has witnesses come forward. So it's a little bit different than I think what the president has in mind right now. But certainly they think that this is a better forum for them. They think this is an opportunity to go on the offensive uh, and bring forward people who might add to the picture that the president wants to paint, which is of uh, a democratic administration uh, under uh, a vice president, Joe Biden, who was engaged in corruption, which is, Unproven. So I do think it's a pretty high bar if you're the White House to try to push in that direction, given the real lack of evidence that there is to bolster that case. So this isn't going to look like your average courtroom drama. It, this is not going to look like your average courtroom right. drama.
3: Adam, um, Rudy Giuliani, uh, the word bold, the word brazen has been used when I was talking to Republicans about this decision of him to go to Ukraine this week uh, and to meet with uh, individuals who are part of this entire impeachment proceeding. Is there a strategy there? Uh, you know, Mark Meadows uh, on this program was saying he would, he would look at the information that Rudy Giuliani brings back. Is that actually going to be introduced?
10: Yeah, I don't really know what the plan is for that. I mean, I did, I did talk to somebody who traveled with Giuliani on the trip. And so that originally he was going to Budapest to see Lutsenko, the former prosecutor general. Uh, and then as a last minute, they made a decision to go to see Shokin, his predecessor, the former prosecutor general who was allegedly fired by Biden, allegedly again to protect his son. Um, his strategy is clearly just to kind of keep the, the, the you know, keep, keep fanning the flames of a, you know, lo- you know innuendo, half-truths, um, you know, ruminant. Uh, that these uh, Ukrainians are giving him. Uh, you know, I, I spent a lot of time there with some of these characters, um, and, um, you know, they've pretty bluntly told me that, you know, they are just feeding Giuliani, in many cases, what he wants to hear. Mm-hmm. Giuliani is very eager to accept this information that he's getting. He doesn't question it. Um, you know, he's just trying to put it out there, hoping that it'll some of it will stick. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, his, this is not that different from what was contained in the dossier that he provided, um, to the, to Pompeo at the state department back in, I think it was April or May
3: that ended up with the inspector general, correct. Mm-hmm.
10: which if you go through it carefully, you realize it's, um, it's just a lot of innuendo assumptions, false information. I mean, there's some things in there that are true, but most of it is, is, uh, is not accurate.
3: Uh, I want to ask you, Ed, about a key interview this week. Our own Gail King sat down with Mike Bloomberg, uh, former mayor of New York, for his first interview since he declared that he was going to run. Uh, What did you make of of some of his give and take with her?
1: Two things stuck out. The one that he got a lot of guff for uh, right at the beginning was that he was asked about comments that Cory Booker had made about the increasing lack of diversity now at the top tier of the Democratic race and... Bloomberg sort of brushed it off and said, well, he supported me once, he sat on my board, he's well-spoken, and those are buzzwords for black and Latino candidates, minorities all across the country who've heard too much of that. Booker called him out for it, Bloomberg apologized. The more effective answer he had, though, was to the question about the fact that he's entering this race and basically bankrolling it on his own. And he reiterated an argument he made when he ran for mayor, which is, I'm paying for this on my own, I won't accept a salary, therefore I can't be bought. Everyone else is doing the same thing, but they're asking other people for money, and they'll owe somebody a favor at some point. With me, you don't have that. You know who else made that argument? Donald Trump. Trump. And guess what? It worked. And who's Mike Bloomberg trying to win over? The same kind of people who may go back and forth between both parties mm-hmm. who probably voted for Donald Trump. He's unloading $60 million in TV and radio so far, about $5 million across digital platforms. If you're an American with a TV or a A phone, you have probably come across this now in the last Mm -hmm. week, and it will continue to happen. And we will see, probably right after the holidays, whether it's sticking or whether he's struggling.
3: What what do you think his chances are of winning over some of the Republicans I just talked about?
8: Well, look, I think you're only buying something if you get a product in the end. I haven't seen any evidence that voters at this point have gravitated towards Bloomberg and away from some of his Democratic primary rivals. But the idea that he's gravitating, that any sort of voter in the center that has a right-of-center view is gravitating towards Bloomberg. I think is way far afield. At this point, the the issues that define Michael Bloomberg and his post-mayoral sort of activism uh, category are all exclusively not only left-of-center, but are almost litmus, litmus tests in the conservative electorate but gun control, you know, banning soda, I mean, getting rid of coal, energy stances. All he
3: was a Republican at one point.
8: Right. And it's I'm pretty hard to make that case now. And I think voters are, are going to look at that in the context of a Democratic primary. And again, it's going to be very, very difficult for somebody like Michael Bloomberg to say he's an actual centrist.
3: That's brokered convention you hear, rumored <laughs> again and again. Uh, Julie, what about the point Cory Booker made on, on race this week? He said for Kamala Harris that, you know, the Democratic Party essentially takes black women for granted in terms of voting. Um, what's going to happen with Biden and his ability to to court the vote that that Cory Booker says isn't showing up,
6: Democrats are in this really interesting position right now because you have a you have a Democratic electorate that is incredibly diverse, and we have seen in election after election the power, in particular, of Black women. They have really delivered elections for Democrats over and over again. I do think the party is is recognizing that. I don't think they are take being taken for granted. But we've had this historically diverse Democratic field that is now at a point where the top frontrunners, every mm-hmm. candidate that is qualified for the next debate, is okay. white. Cory Booker is trying to argue that the Democratic Party shouldn't stand yeah. for that, that the rules are, yeah. are brokered against them right now. But that is the reality of where we are.
3: That's it for us today. Before we go, we want to thank everyone behind the scenes at CBS for all their work on this new set. For Face the Nation, I'm Margaret Brennan. Today's guests were Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff, Republican Congressman Mark Meadows, and National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien. The executive producer of Face the Nation is Mary Hager. This broadcast was directed by Allison Hawley. Face the Nation originates from CBS News in Washington. For more Face the Nation, we're online at facethenation.com, and you can follow Face the Nation and CBS Radio News on Twitter and Instagram. Face the Nation is also rebroadcast on our digital network, CBSN, at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 6 p.m. Eastern every Sunday.
0: If you like Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey.
9: Look around. You can find cars like these on Autotrader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Autotrader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Autotrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.